Texas Republican State Representative Brian Slayton is a taxpayer champion based on the Texans for Fiscal Responsibility Fiscal Index and a firebrand conservative lawmaker who's returning for his second term in the upcoming 88th legislative session, which is set to begin in January. We visit with him on today's bonus episode of Taxpayer Talks and discuss a whole host of issues important to Texas taxpayers. Let's get into it. Taxpayer Talks is brought to you by Texans for Fiscal Responsibility, and it's only made possible from generous donations from listeners like you. If you want to support our work, you can visit texastaxpayers.com slash donate to make a tax-deductible contribution today. Thank you. Hey, everyone. How are y'all doing? My name is Tim Harden, president of Texans for Fiscal Responsibility. I'm here with our executive director, Jeremy Kitchen, and we have another bonus episode with special guest, Brian Slayton. How are you doing today, Brian? I'm doing pretty good. How are y'all? We're we're great. We're great. We're excited about the upcoming legislative session. Uh, interested to hear your thoughts about it. Uh, could you tell everybody kind of who you are, what you uh, who you represent, uh, and and what you're doing on the show? Well, I'm, I'm glad y'all are excited about the session. You're not the one having to be in Austin that long. It's kind of kind of punishment. But um, but no, we're I'm doing good. I'm I'm the state representative out east of Dallas-Fort Worth in Hunt, Hopkins, and Van Zandt counties. Uh, I'm finishing up my first term and uh, looking forward to gearing up and uh, using a lot of things I learned last session to continue on. Awesome. Awesome. Well, for those that don't know, Brian is our biggest taxpayer champion of this last legislative session. I think he scored a 98 on our fiscal index. So he has been incredibly consistent uh, and incredibly conservative in how he votes and legislates. Uh, And so we're a big fan. We're excited to have you on the show today. Uh, But let's kind of get into talking about the legislative session. So uh, one thing we've been talking about a lot, uh, as I'm sure you realize as many other groups are as well, is property tax reform. And so uh, we recently had uh, Phelan come out and he said that he doesn't think that using all of the surplus or most of the surplus necessarily is a good idea. He wants to pour some of that surplus money into infrastructure, roads and things like that, uh, which is kind of worrisome uh, from from our perspective, uh, just just knowing how much it's going to take to, to provide real property tax relief. And so the question is, you know, what have you heard? What is being spoken about uh, kind of in, in you know, legislator circles? What can we expect uh, with property tax reform in the upcoming legislative session. Yeah, uh, to be honest, I it, it I don't know. Uh, I believe the property tax relief we get hopefully is going to come from the Senate. Um, they're the ones talking about it. Um, of course, the House is talking about spending on infrastructure, and that's kind of a a good and bad thing. I'll explain. So, one, we need to eliminate property taxes. I don't know if there's a mood to do that. I want to just get rid of it. I think it's a broken system. I think it's a very unethical tax. If you were to invest in the stock market, the IRS has more compassion than the state of Texas. If you invest in the stock market and your stocks do great, you're not punished or you don't pay tax until you sell them. But in Texas, you buy property and it doesn't matter what happens. 
your appraisals are going to go up and, um, you know, you're punished every year and you don't actually see an increase in that value in your bank account in your pocket. So it needs to go away. I don't know if we will. There are reforms we need to make. Um, uh, and I have a couple of things. I got one bill idea, two bill ideas I'm working on to try to help in some ways with, with some property tax relief. But we need to put as much money as we can uh, to property tax. Now, all that extra money we have uh, that the comptroller told us we had, it, there's a portion of that that is inflationary. It's just people buying the same products they've been buying, but the price has gone up so much. It's not like we've seen that much more business in Texas. There's been some, no doubt. But uh, some of that is just inflationary. And so we need to be very uh, mindful of that. And, and if we're you know going to, quote, spend that money, we can't spend all of it like it's been nothing but gain. We're going to have to realize that some of that is is uh, just been a you know a tax on everybody um, for buying the same products. Sure, the uh, it, you make all good points, Representative Slayton. The I think you know when we talk to folks, obviously. Um, and as a part of our Texas Prosperity Plan, which I'm not entirely sure if you're familiar with, we talk about like you can't address property taxes without also having to address government spending, right, on both state um, and local levels. Um, obviously, you had mentioned or we had talked about infrastructure spending. I, to be clear, I don't know that we're opposed uh, to necessarily spending money on infrastructure. I think the argument that we would make from our organization is that the budget as it currently stands, uh, right, there is plenty of money already there, not even counting the surplus that could be used for a lot of that uh, spending. And, you know, as we elect lawmakers like yourself, and others, uh, that's the expectation, right? Is y'all, y'all go back, th- y'all go down to Austin or up to Austin or wherever, and y'all debate those sorts of things. I think when we talk to folks, we talk about the budget surplus as an over collection of tax revenue, right? Uh, which is absolutely uh, what it is. And even though, you know, sh- stopping short of writing a physical check to taxpayers, we think if not all as much as humanly possible uh, should be given back to taxpayers in the form of of actual property tax relief. And so um, I appreciate your sentiments there. I wanted to give you an opportunity, though, to expand um, on infrastructure spending. Obviously, you represent uh, a pretty rural, uh, at least por- a portion of uh, rural community there. I can imagine there's some infrastructure needs um, in your district. What are your thoughts on that? Well, with the federal government's infrastructure bill that they passed, I mean, that, that thing was horrendous, right? And um, uh, it, is, it has so much government overreach in it. You know, roads are racist. They're going to put kill switches on vehicles in 2026 uh, and all that. So uh, the federal government's looking to spend. It was a huge bill. They're looking to give money out. And people want it. I mean, you know, they all want the money and it's the strings attached. We should all be scared of if Texas was going to be strong and standing up for itself. I think people could maybe get behind it. Like if they were to say, listen, the reason we're going to spend this money on infrastructure is because we don't want you to take the federal government's money because of the strings attached will be bad for Texas. So here, take this. That is better, right? That that is 
that's a better use of it, but you're right. It is a surplus and we need to stop our spending. I mean, look, look at our budgets, look at how much they've increased. How are any of those conservative? If why can't Texas either keep the same budget or decrease their budget some so we can prepare for changing from property taxes or actually try to curb them. We're not doing anything in our spending different to tell Texans your property taxes, you know, they're going to get better. The difficulties you have are going to get better. All we're saying is we want to do something, but we're spending like the same. And so, um, so the infrastructure the surplus money going towards infrastructure where I'm at now, because I'm so concerned about the federal uh, strings attached, I do see some benefit if we're going to stand up to them, but more than likely people are just going to take the state money and they're going to take the federal money with the strings attached. And we're just drowning in debt and federal regulations. So because of that probable reality, that's why I hope we just give it all back to the taxpayers because I don't trust us as a body to uh, do what's best for the people. I expect us just to spend the money and then wait for next session. I mean, that's what I expect us to do. <laughs> so um, I, I kind of want to ask you about a, uh, I wouldn't call it a controversial issue, but um, one that has been uh, certainly in the news a lot. And that is uh, the idea of, uh, changing the House rules to prevent um, uh, the minority party from holding chairmanship. Specifically in this situation, you know, we have a Republican majority. Uh, we have uh, we have a number of Democrat chairs that have been uh, traditionally chairs of very powerful committees. Uh, we recently have had Tony Tinderholt uh, announced for speaker. And one of the things he is citing is specifically Democrat chairing committees uh, with as toxic as politics is now and with as at, at war as the uh, the parties are. Uh, nationwide, um, you know, we want to know, you know, do you support this? Uh, and and what do you think is going to happen in this in this next legislative session as we go into it? Well, I mean, I'm I'm still pushing that um, that rule amendment. Does the body want to change that? That's the question, um, obviously. But I don't know. I mean, we've got uh, look at what's happened. You know, the Democrats broke quorum and uh, called us racist forever. No one wanted to punish them. Well, I say no one. There a couple of, of us members did. And uh, but there was no desire. There was a protection. And then uh, the the only punishment I've heard of um, in the Texas House is for members who vote with me on my amendment. So when I first did it, I got five people to vote with me. I was just a freshman, my third day in office, and it was no support. Now we've got the RPT behind us. We've got the voters behind us. We've got the SREC behind us. We're coming in with so much momentum. And we've got a failed Biden presidency. That's just a glowing example of why they don't need the keys to anything in Texas. And we've We've got Republicans that are going to vote for them to be chairman, which means there's about 14, 15 Republicans that won't be a chairman in the Texas House because they specifically chose to give it to the Democrats. Um, 
And, and like I said, the only people they're talking about punishing is me and people that vote with me. So we're, we're up against it. But here's the good news is so many people are behind this idea. Right now, the only people that I can tell are for the idea of keeping Democrats chairman are the Democrats themselves and however many Republicans that are going to vote with them on day three. I think that's a pretty lonely place to be. And uh, uh, I, I'm, I'm going to tell members, I promise you, if you vote with me, your Republican voters will not punish you. They will reward you. You will make your district happy. Um, they have to choose what they're going to do. And it's, are they going to vote their district or are they going to vote for someone else? Um, I, I know we're up against it. I don't know if it passes. I, I've heard all kinds of stuff, to be honest. I've heard that they're trying to figure out how to avoid the vote altogether. I've heard other, uh, I can't go into everything I've heard. I don't want them to know, you know, what I'm thinking about um, playing defense on. But I, let me just tell you, they put more effort into trying to figure out how to stop this vote than to just vote with what 80 over 81% of their county, you know, people in their counties wanted. I mean, it's such a no brainer. Um, I mean, nobody wants Nancy Pelosi back in leadership in DC, right? We just took over the house. No one wants AOC to get a chairmanship, but in Texas, they're still really excited about the idea. Um, so that's where it's at. It's, it's still a battle. It does not make sense to me. I've had a couple of members come to me and say, Brian, I've heard every excuse they've given and none of them make sense to me. I was like, then stick with your heart, stick with your head here. Don't fall for it and just, you know, set yourself up to be abused by your by your voters. They're they're going to have you're the ones going to be punished by the voters in your district. Don't do it. Vote to support the Republican Party. And uh, if we ever lose the House, guess what? The Texas voters deserve to have the leadership they vote for. I mean, it's that simple. You speak to a pretty fascinating phenomenon that's kind of taken place over the last few sessions, certainly um, with myriad different speakers, obviously, and how they manage the House. It's an interesting dynamic. You know, on the Senate side, I believe there's only one Democrat chairman, right? They hold a majority. Um, and I believe it's John Whitmire for their criminal justice committee um, over there. And, and of course, what you see there, not to give uh, the lieutenant governor too much credit, but you at least see a lot of the priorities of your party, right, the Republican Party, uh, passed through the Senate there with relative ease uh, for, for a lot of them. And then, of course, the House stifles them and to, to, to the point you're trying to make, obviously, that some of those are stifled by Democrat chairman um, in the House. I'm going to kind of throw you um, some of the criticism that I hear sometimes to this potential approach. And as you mentioned, it is a, a priority of the Republican Party of Texas, this go around, is that, okay, Let's say whomever wins the speakership uh, does not appoint Democrat chairs. They appoint Republicans. But let's say they're terrible Republicans who might as well be Democrats, right? Masquerading, uh, that sort of thing. What do you think the recourse is there outside of the obvious that, well, voters will have to, you know, uh, hold them accountable uh, there? What, what, what would be the recourse if there is any to that scenario? Oh, yeah. I mean, well, then it's all on us as Republicans. It's on the leadership. So whoever is speaker, if they decide to appoint 
uh, you know, all moderates and, and liberal, you know, Republicans. And I mean, voters are and, and members are going to have to recognize that. I mean, everyone's supposed to have a voice. Conservative Republicans do not. I mean, they have a, they have to fight for that voice. I, I have to fight to do anything. Um, so uh, the recourse is to just hold the Republicans accountable. If we're gonna if we're gonna do nothing with what the voters have given us repeatedly, then hey, they can do whatever they want. They can vote us all out. I mean, I, I mean, if voters get mad at me uh, because they don't think I'm fighting for our values in our district. They, you know, they have that choice. Um, so we just have to unify. And that, that's really the problem is Republicans are not unified. We, uh, we, we're up against it from the left and everything they're pushing from D.C. And we have to stand up against it. But the Republicans in Texas are completely um, disjointed. I mean, I mean I, the Democrats are fairly unified and there's enough Republicans that run to them. They're, that's why they're in control. Um, we just don't have unity. And uh, yeah, I, I don't know. Yeah, that's all I can say is I don't know how we how we stop that other than try to hold that speaker and members who elect that speaker accountable because it all goes down to leadership. So uh, we have uh, also recently written on uh, chapter 313s. Uh, and of course, last go round, they did not renew. Uh, there's been a lot of applications this year. I want to say it's over over 400 uh, to, to kind of meet in that uh, that window before. I think it's December 31st uh, when when it ends. And uh, so the rumor is that, and, and actually Phelan has come out publicly and said, hey, we're looking to bring this back in uh, some other form with more accountability, but not the exact same thing. So essentially, they're just trying to renew 313s again. It is the largest corporate welfare program in Texas, $11 billion. Uh, and, and of course, a lot of them fund either these, these green energy um, you know, companies or even uh, companies that actively silence conservatives on social media. And so... Uh, Want to know your thoughts on what we expect to see? Is there going to be a big push for uh, Chapter Three Thirteen renewal, and will it be successful in this coming uh, legislative session? There's absolutely going to be a big push to renew them um, because in the Republican Party platform it says that we want to do away with them, and because the Democrats are basically in control of the chamber, there's going to be a push to do the opposite. Um. Uh, Yes. I mean, I don't know what to say. They're they're going to push to continue them and justify them. I, I have the you know hardest time wrapping my brain. I, I get the idea. But our, our schools need to focus on education, not on economic development. We already have EDCs. We already have a chamber of commerce. So we're creating this whole level of competition that isn't competition. It's not free market because it's all supported with tax dollars. That's not free market. It's not voluntary. and. Uh, you know, in, in my understanding, and correct me if I'm wrong, but if you have, you know, you have the school budget, you have money set aside for 313s, you give them to companies, and then when they pay that back, it goes to a foundation, right? I mean, if you do that in the private sector, isn't that like money laundering? I'm not sure, but I, I feel like there's something not right because you got this taxpayer money 
that is supposed to be held accountable with public meetings, right? Public process of passing a budget, a budget line item to account for what the money's spent for. And then it goes away and, and it goes over here and you never know what it's spent on. And here's the other thing. How do we know if the schools are actually good at their investments, right? Remember when the Dallas police, their, their retirement got into a mess? One of the things I heard is that I think they made like a 17% or 18% investment uh, ROI on an investment they had. So somebody in their, um, we'll say infinite wisdom, tongue in cheek, they decided to project all their future investments making 18%. And then lo and behold, they had a problem balancing their budget, right? So look at this. We've got a school district's going to set aside however much money to do economic development. Well, how do we know they're doing a good job? Because the money never comes back. And if the money came back into the school district and they make more money than they invested, we would be able to say, man, the schools are doing a really good job of investing. But guess what? They wouldn't need to keep refilling that hole in their budget every year. But they don't do that. They give all the money out, goes to some you know, company and then comes back to their foundation and they just refill it with your tax dollars. And then it just keeps going out and it keeps going out. And meantime, we're screaming about property taxes. So I wish schools would focus on education, teach kids critical thinking skills, and well, to read first, and then critical thinking skills. The third thing I'd like for them to do is make sure the schools are safe, right? Not just, you know, a school shooting, but drugs, alcohol, sexual assault. Make sure those are being reported to the police. Let's let the EDC and the Chamber of Commerce worry about economic development, or let's just make Texas an amazing place to live and work, and people will come here on their own and on their own dime. So I don't know how we stop it because the Democrats want this, and there's Republicans that you're, I mean, th this vote to ban Democrat chairman, I, I have struck a nerve. The way I describe it, I feel like I was out hitting a pickaxe, you know, filing some amendments, and I struck gold with this banning Democrat chairman, I, I believe I've found the power structure, the hierarchy, and it's how much control the Democrats have over our chamber. So if that vote fails, yes, you're going to see Democrat agenda continue to uh, advance. I'm going to ask you to kind of switch gears, I guess, about border security, throw you a, a curveball uh, real quick. The Obviously, you filed uh, previously, and I believe this go-around too, right, uh, funding a, a version of the wall of, of uh, former President Donald Trump's wall. Um, you have the governor, right, um, as a part of Operation Lone Star, um, allocate some portion of funding, though it, it's kind of undescript, and uh, frankly, there's not a lot of details towards a wall of some sort, which seems to include chain link fence in some areas and what have you going into the next session, y'all, the legislature collectively has allocated now over $4 billion uh, to the ongoing operation Lone Star. No doubt there's going to be an ask for additional money this next legislative session. What are your thoughts about the current operation Lone Star? Um, are we addressing border security in the right way? Um, well, how would you, I mean, my question to, uh, you know, others is how do you define success in our border security operations, right? We, we have a flood of migrants that began almost two years ago, right? Um, 
last Jan- uh, January two years ago um, was when I first you know first heard about caravans coming. Have the caravans gotten smaller? Have the number of people coming across reduced? I don't think they have. So how can you say it's successful? And the idea of throwing more money at a problem that's going to fix it is exactly what's wrong with Washington, D.C. and Austin. That doesn't fix it. I mean, it takes policy. We Texas has secured their border over history. The federal government did not create their, their border patrol, border security, till the 1920s. All before that, Texas took care of its own border. And we did not have, we had problems. We had battles. We had, you know, we had issues. But they weren't perpetual for two years. And they weren't destroying our, our communities, our local economies. And they weren't destroying our children and, and, and others' lives. And so um, we're going to have to get serious about it. And and. If all we're going to do is throw money at it and keep doing the same thing and, you know, bussing illegals around the country, it is a great, like a, a, a good point was made in the first few bus loads that went. It was like, hey, do you think it's not a problem here? Y'all enjoy it. You know, and uh, they didn't, the liberal cities, of course, have been throwing a fit. So that was, it proved a point. But the problem is, all the state of Texas is doing now is, we're a part of the logistics plan for the cartels. I mean, who's in charge of the border? The cartels. They're trying to get people around the country. That's what they're doing. They're getting people all over. And the state of Texas is literally helping them, assisting them with busing people across multiple state lines and probably giving them money in their pocket to spend while they travel. So we've got to do something different. And there's a couple things, but I, I think we need to, Say that if you have fentanyl, you're you have you know fentanyl distribution levels or whatever, which doesn't take much of fentanyl. Man, let's sign them up for the death penalty. Because how is that not intent to kill someone, intent to harm someone? Fentanyl has no good purpose other than than hurting a human being. And uh, we're gonna have to we're gonna have to do something to deter people from coming across drugs, human trafficking, whatever. We, I don't know, uh, but something's got to change other than just spending money. Wow. Awesome answer. Uh, listen, we are, we're out of time uh, now, Representative Slayton. So uh, I want to give you a last chance. You know, where can people find out about you? What's your website? Where can they follow you on social media? Well, uh, thank you all for having me. It's been fun. Good to see y'all. And uh, you can go to brianslayton.com. You can follow me on Twitter uh, Brian for HD two, I believe. And then, uh, you can find me on Facebook, just Brian Slayton and, uh, appreciate it. Uh, appreciate all the Patriots out there. we got to dig in and keep fighting for our state. Awesome. We appreciate you. We look forward to your performance this session. We have no doubt it will be conservative. Uh, thank you once again for being with us and we will talk to you soon. All right. Take care. For even more content, follow us on social media at Texas Taxpayers on Facebook and Instagram at Texas underscore taxpayers on Twitter. Subscribe to the Fiscal Note, our weekly email jam packed full of information important to Texas taxpayers at texastaxpayers.com slash subscribe. And then make sure to check out our Texas Prosperity Plan, texastaxpayers.com slash TPP. Thanks. 